Welcome to the show that cloned the Loch Ness Monster. And got her drunk. The Drive with Josh Graham. I can play, I can play the whole game. I'm, I'm just a hooper. Like, no, I don't know nobody that's going to say, uh, no, I can only play 10, 15 minutes. Nah, I'll play the whole game if I have to. I'm just a hooper. That was Zion Williamson yesterday. He's still a game-time decision for the opening game of the NBA's restart. That's against the Utah Jazz at 6.30, Robert. Not 7, not 8, not 8.30, but 6.30. Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller are inside the Orlando bubble and will be on the call. And just hearing Zion have to answer those questions that way, it's frustrating. And I'm not blaming Zion for this because clearly he wants to play. The Pelicans, though... They're just treating him the way parents treat a 16-year-old when they first get their driver's license. It's time for Alvin Gentry and New Orleans to take the training wheels off of Zion and just let him go. Because last I checked, last month he turned 20 years old, not 40. I don't think he's on AARP where you have to worry about him, (laughs) whether or not he can hold up playing in an NBA basketball game or playing basketball altogether for that matter. He isn't injured. I I know he had to sit in a room for four days, returning from his urgent family matter. So really he was gone for a week before practicing Tuesday night. We learned from the voice of the Pelicans, Todd Graffinini on yesterday's show. He also practiced yesterday, walk through and shoot around today. He should be all ready to go tonight. I mean, you can't say multiple things at once like, He's in the best shape we've ever seen him before. And, oh yeah, he's not hurt. Uh, He has these cramping. He had this cramping. It's not really a big deal. That had nothing to do with them leaving. You can't say both those games or both those things and then say, oh, we don't know if he's going to be able to go tonight. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Zion, I understand wanting to be uh, have precautions and be safe and not want to jeopardize your future here. But you're also damaging the perception that's out there of Zion, where every single time we're having a discussion about him, it seems like over the last year, it's always couched with, oh, but can his body hold up? Ever since the shoe blew at Cameron Indoor Stadium, that conversation began, and even to a degree before that. Today reminds me a lot of sitting inside the bowels of Spectrum Center in Charlotte last year. Duke's getting set to face Syracuse. We're wondering, is Zion going to go? It was a Thursday night. We were wondering, is Duke going to put Zion out there? Is he going to play just a few minutes? Then Coach K let him go. And what happened? 13 for 13 from the field the most makes without a miss in the history of the ACC tournament. It's time for the Pelicans to let him go. They have eight games left. That's all they're promised. Eight games. You're three and a half back of Memphis. You're right there with a few others who are in a similar position. You have other players that know how good Zion is. What are you going to tell those guys if you don't pull the trigger on Zion tonight? Did you go to the bubble to win or did you go there to wait and worry about the future? What is it? What are you going to tell J.J. Redick, who's made the postseason every year of his 14-year NBA career? You there to win or you there to wait? The league, it definitely maybe (laughs) kept 22 teams just to give Zion a chance of making the postseason. There's a reason why the Pelicans are the first game back. Because Zion is somebody that everybody wants to watch. You have a responsibility to the NBA. You have a responsibility to, I think, everybody that helped put together this absurd concept that now looks like it's going to work in Orlando to have that guy out on the floor. So I think he's going to play. And if he isn't, boy, tomorrow's going to be a rough day on the Pelicans especially if they don't get in the win column tonight. West Durham going to join us in just a bit. 336-777-1600 is the phone number on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. 
if you want to chime in that way. Right now, Zion Williamson's on the floor for shoot-around. Joe Varden's reporting in Orlando. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't go. Do we have Wes from uh, Cartersville, Georgia? Let's go out to Cartersville, Georgia for a bit and to our buddy Wes Durham. Wes, yesterday I'd say was an interesting day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, an institution has been playing football independently for 142 years, decided to join your league. Yeah. So, sure, why not? Let's uh, you know, let's roll it all in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought we would get a date. That's all I thought would come from yesterday, and I wasn't sure we were going to get the date, to be honest with you. And lo and behold, we rolled out opponents. Um, but I also think, too, that there was some – there is the business of football and uh, and what it means to these what it means to this conference and what it means to these teams and institutions and I think the presidents and this and the other part is it comes with this new wrinkle of board of directors uh, that is now uh, going to have a little bit more say so in the activities of the conference and uh, I think there was a part about that that uh, you know maybe they wanted to make a statement too because. You know, they, they rewrote the bylaws to get this done. Josh, don't ever forget that. They rewrote the bylaws to create this board of directors, and they'll be an important part of the commissioner process uh, after John Swafford's retirement. So, yeah, I, look, I'm glad they did. It, it gives us, obviously, a little bit of momentum and creates some intrigue now for what the other two leagues are going to do and ultimately what their final plan will be. West Durham is on Twitter, at West Durham. Watch Packer and Durham on the ACC Network at 8 a.m., a two-hour show that uh, – is quite frankly a great place to go right now for everything that the ACC's done for the last. <laughs> You're week. very kind. You're very kind to say a great place to go. We're, I mean, we're, we're having fun. The last week, ever since the rumor surfaced that we might get something this week, it's just been you've seen speculation. You've seen oh, yeah. a lot of stuff that's just zany, to be honest. Well, we've been living in speculation for five months now, so I mean, you know, we've become good at it. So let's speculate. While oh we have a lot of answers on what the schedule is going to be, the 10 conference opponents, we don't know who the non-conference opponents are going to be for many. We know what the preference would be for Clemson and for Georgia Tech and for Florida and for uh, Louisville. Well, we know what that you, would be. Let me ask you this question to counter. If the Southeastern Conference decides they're only going to play 10 games and move on, do we play the 11th game? I think they would. Hmm. I think they would because there are options okay. where you can have a game that that is valuable for the same reasons it's valuable right now to play a a Furman in Clemson's case or a Citadel is just it? as long just is as it? long as you have an understanding of what the protocols are going to look like. Whoa, 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 coach! You can have all the protocols and all the stuff you want. The Military College of South Carolina and Furman University are going to expect a check that has commas in it. <laughs> uh, it's an excellent point. No, no. It's also the reality of where we are financially. Don't forget. Do not forget the reason the Big Ten did what they did. Sean Frazier, the athletic director at Northern Illinois, said losing games with Iowa and Wisconsin cost his athletic department towards $4 million. Some places it's 10% of their athletic That budget. is correct. So don't automatically assume that if the Southeastern Conference says, eh, we're going to play 10 and you know what, those, those four teams, which by the way, four ain't enough to win the vote in Birmingham, I promise you. I've, no matter what kind of math you think the SEC does, four does not win the room. If Ray Tanner, uh, Scott Strickland, uh, Greg McGarity at Georgia, and Mitch Barnhart at Kentucky said, well, we really want to play those games. Last time I checked, they got 10 other schools that could go the other way, glad, and that doesn't win the room. I'm glad you bring up pay games because I think that's something that's being forgotten and a decision Notre Dame is probably going to have to make either during football season or shortly thereafter whether or not they like the circumstances of playing in a conference because, you know, it's kind of like the comparison I like to make is it's like buying a house versus renting a house where – you have uh, – there's some luxuries to that. The housing costs, they're lower generally. Uh, it's better long-term investment to buy versus renting. And for Notre Dame, eh, you're going to get more. It's going to be more in terms of a television payout than what you're getting from NBC. And in addition to that, you don't have to worry as much about those buy games being an independent, do you? 
Um, yes. I think the other thing too, Josh, I, I agree with that. And I'm not – look, I'm, I'm excited about this Notre Dame thing. I, I like it, okay? I mean, you know, you probably heard Pac and I last Friday about this go round and round a little bit. I mean, it, and you know this story because I've told you the story about my dad and I arguing 9 to 12, right? And uh, my mom cleared the kitchen in Chapel Hill that night. She said, you guys got to take that out somewhere else. I'm tired of hearing about this. Um, you know, because my dad was a traditionalist by nature. ACC was nine schools. Florida State was in it. We were fine at nine. Why do we have to go to 12? Well, Dad, in order for football to survive and the ACC to grow geographically to enhance its television position, they're probably going to have to go to 12. Huh. And it led to a deal. So last Friday, Mark was like, well, I want Notre Dame in the league if they're going to compete for the championship. And I said, well, these are catastrophic times. These are unique times. We have a devastating, you know, devastated economy, a devastated situation in terms of our health. And, you know, if we're going to get Notre Dame in the league and this is the year they try it on for size, then let them try it on. And if we play 10 and they get a chance to throw a, you know, non-conference log on the fire and play Navy because we know how important Navy is to Notre Dame, then, you know, we'll certainly go for that, right? But think of it too financially, not only the comfort level of this, this is also Notre Dame's going to make more money this year in football television revenue if we play the 11 games in postseason than Notre Dame's ever made. Okay? Yeah. That part that part should not be forgotten in this. Um and and you know, look, Notre Dame's got a lot of history, but how much money do they have? And are they willing to say, you know what, we can still play Navy and Southern Cal and Stanford and oh by the way, play some ACC games every year too and our fans are growing more congruent to what the ACC does, and they like the academic environment and the arrangement of the institutions. And, hey, by the way, you let our athletic director at the table of the big boy table, at the, at the big family table with the five other commissioners. Does Jack Swarbrick and does the Notre Dame administration want to surrender that spot as it relates to the college football playoff? I mean, there, there's a lot of considerations, but here's what I'm also going to add on this, and I've said this since last weekend. The only people that are going to make this decision are Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not going to be influenced by something that I say or you say or Paul Feinbaum says or Packer or anybody else, Matt Brown and your boy in Kentucky, anybody, right? Matt Jones, whatever his name is. I mean, nobody's going to make this decision but the University of Notre Dame, its administration, and its massive board of trustees. Here's another little inside note about Notre Dame. They have better than 200 members of their board of trustees. Notre Dame is a massive institution with 140-odd years of football independence that they are going to surrender because of a pandemic for one year. And right now, that's what it is. And I understand doing it, and I'm fine with it, believe it or not. If you have any questions for Wes and I on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad, 336-777-1600. Why not? Let's throw Uh, a couple logs on the fire for that, too. Robert was pointing uh, at the phone, so maybe we could potentially utilize that. Also, there's some Carolina Panthers news to get at. You're the voice of the Falcons. I want to get your thoughts on the outside on what's going on with the Panthers, which is quite a bit this offseason, quite a bit of turnover. There's Mm -hmm. a lot for us to do, and we'll get to it next on The Drive. Places, everyone. Come on, places, please. We're ready. Back to The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Wes Durham is with us from the ACC Network. Wes and Robert... The Carolina Panthers have been a team, an expansive franchise since 1995. You want to take a guess how many kickers have attempted 10 or more field goals in the history of Panthers football? Just guessing out loud. I'll let Robert go first. Uh, I'll go with eight. Not a bad guess. Slightly lower than that. Mm. Six. Six is the number, Wes Durham. I knew you had it in your pocket, Six. you ringer, you. Graham yeah. Gano, yeah. second in team history behind John Casey and field goals made, field goals John attempted. Casey kicked through like three presidential administrations. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people are only going to remember the one kickoff that went out of bounds in Super Bowl oh, 38. That's a shame. It is a shame to allow for uh, Tom Brady to get that Super Bowl ring. I think it was Super Bowl ring number two of six. But uh, Graham Gano released by the Panthers earlier today. 
Another mm. thing that Graham Gano, if you're talking about what he's going to be remembered for, Wes, I'm not sure if you remember this. <laughs> this is against the New York Giants, and it's a 63-yard kick. The reason why I'm spelling out all the details is because I don't think you're going to understand much of what you're about to hear. Le ha sobrado distancia, le van a servir. Tiene altura, tiene profundidad, va a llegar, va a llegar. Ganó, lo ganó, 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 señor, ganó, lo ganó, ganó, lo ganó. Yo sí le voy, le voy a los pates, taca, 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 yo sí le voy, le voy a los Okay, I'm interested. What's the call of Wes Durham's career, either, either either on television or as the voice of the Yellow Jackets or Marshall Thundering Herd, that made him sound closest to that? Um, the uh, venerable old Charlie call in 1998 when Charlie Rogers ran a punt back when it looked like Virginia was getting ready to blow Georgia Tech out at home in football, and Charlie Rogers – uh, ran a punt back, I think, about 64, 65 yards. And when he got to the 11, the first thing that popped in my head was, oh, Charlie, oh, Charlie, oh, Charlie. And um, an afternoon drive disc jockey on a news talk station named Kim Peterson made some suggestions that I was going through an out-of-body experience on the call and since they carried the games, he decided to replay the old Charlie every time somebody called into his show for like the next two weeks. So it was <laughs> that's probably the one that most that yeah. and the Calvin Johnson catch to beat yes. Clemson in his first ever college road game were the two that come back at Georgia Tech. Falcons calls. I you know look Matt I got very lucky with Matt Ryan's first professional pass being a touchdown to Michael Jenkins in his first game. Um, you know, there, there are plenty of them. Uh, I've been fortunate there for sure in 16 years. Wes Durham with us here on Sports Hub Triad. So, as you mentioned, voice of the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And I'm just interested what you make of the Carolina Panthers from the outside looking in because, to me, my read on it is there's no team in the NFL that's being hit as hard by COVID as Carolina when you consider college coaching staff transitioning to the NFL. College coordinators, college head coach, never been in those positions before in the NFL. They're also the only team in the league to have a new head coach and a new starting quarterback as Mm -hmm. Teddy Bridgewater's being broken in. Cam Newton's no longer around. Luke Kuechly's not around. Four of the team's five captains from last year Mm -hmm. no longer on this roster. And you don't have OTAs. You don't have a conventional offseason in any sense. No preseason games. The first padded practice last year, Wes, was on July 27th. They're not going to be in pads until August 16th or 17th this time around. So how badly do you think that can hurt a football team like Carolina? Oh, I think it could be devastating. But the thing about it is Matt Rule kind of understands that because he just finished doing this project. It was called Baylor. Um, Didn't get preseason games there either. Correct which also tells you that he's probably benefiting from the fact he knows how this process works. Uh, I think the bigger question is how judicious do you have to be with the 14 padded practices you're allowed to have in the preseason? You know, without the preseason games, do you almost have to find a way with 95 guys on the preseason roster to scrimmage? And I mean legitimate scrimmage, you know, officials and take guys to the ground type scrimmages. I honestly believe that's a part of this process that most teams are going to have to acclimate themselves to because, quite frankly, you don't want Teddy Bridgewater being hit week one. You, I mean, Atlanta doesn't want Mac Ryan being hit for the first time in week one. Not hit like, you know, drive him to the ground. But, you know, you guys guys get hit in the preseason now. It's a real deal. I mean, Ryan got plastered last year in Miami. Cam Newton did too last year. Yeah, I mean, so what I'm saying is, is that you've got to find a way to simulate some of that. Plus, in their case, they're also doing some restructuring up front. You know, you you got to put, in Matt Rule's case, you probably don't need Christian McCaffrey to have 14 padded practices. You know what Christian McCaffrey can do. Um, you need to kind of sort out your veterans and your rookies and understand, and I think every NFL team does this in one semblance or another, Josh. You have to figure out how many different guys, I mean, how many slots do you have on your roster right now available for competition? 
that's a real question for Matt Rule. It's a real question for Dan Quinn. Uh, Atlanta hasn't had anybody opt out of the season yet. I don't know if that's going to continue or not. I mean, New England's lost a considerable amount of firepower with their opt-outs, and Kansas City lost their leading rusher yesterday. So, you know, let's see. But, look, all, all things are on the table now. This is going to be different for everybody. Just because it's brand new for Matt Rule doesn't mean it's any different for him than it's going to be for, you know, Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. Uh, and I think we all got to understand that. And likewise, the trickle-down effect in college is going to be fascinating too because that's going to be completely different than probably what we've seen before when, when that gets cranked up. I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen with Atlanta as well. I was listening mm. to Atlanta Talk Radio with Coach Quinn a few days ago, and when you're talking about important seasons, he wouldn't go as far to say this was the most important one, but he even acknowledged the question and said, I get where you're coming from here. Uh, there's no there's no question. i got to win right now. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, too. The schedule is uh, – it's – it's tough. I mean, you open with Seattle. You play this thing straight now. You open with Seattle at home. Then you go to Dallas, uh, you know, in week two. Then you have Chicago here. I mean, then the Panthers come in on the uh, on the 11th. And, you know, you play a Monday night game in Green Bay along the way. So, I mean, there's there's plenty of stuff to, to discern here. I mean, in Atlanta's case, and you're in a division two that's got the best quarterback play in the entire league in it. I mean, who are we kidding here, right? Yeah, that guy in Tampa's pretty good. Guy in Tampa's good. Guy in New Orleans is decent. The guy in Atlanta's won the MVP. How's it feel to have somebody that's your age playing quarterback still in the NFL? I'm 54 now. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I want to get before I let you go, Wes. Okay. Wes Durham with us here. I want to get your thoughts here. Okay, so the ACC Big Four, if they are going to have that non-conference game this year right. with the scheduling um, that uh, was announced yesterday, sure, it makes sense to think that. App State would still play Wake Forest because they were already going to this year, the same going for Duke versus Charlotte. Then you got NC State and North Carolina. Now, ECU uh-huh. and App, they're chomping at the bit to get as many games as possible. We had John Gilbert and Doug Gillen on this show. Oh, good, They, yeah. they said as much. Sure. Um, I'll tell you something that might be pretty cool. If Charlotte doesn't play Duke, for example, did you know that Duke has never played Appalachian State in their history? Mm, Never have those two gone head-to-head. And obviously, I know Charlotte has gone head-to-head with uh, gone head-to-head with Wake Forest. I know they've gone head-to-head uh, with, Clemson. Uh, with Clemson. They've gone they've, they've faced a number of ACC teams. They played, uh, I think, Louisville, played Virginia Tech. They haven't faced North Carolina before. And mm-hmm. I know Will Healy and Mac Brown, they've sp- spoken very well of each other. Sure. Could you do much better than that, or do you think – and there are other paths to try and fill those games. And Mike Hill, the AD, is a Carolina grad. Didn't know that. That's another good point. So, I mean, yeah, anything's possible, right? I mean, um, I'm not going to be surprised if you – I don't know that it'll happen in North Carolina. I don't know that it'll happen in Georgia. You could see a transaction take place where a, um, a Division One school – and see, here again, though, we're still talking about checks, right, game checks. And that's part of the reason this is happening is because that's why the Big Ten made the move, and I'm pretty sure it's why the Pac-12 made the move. Um, you know, there, there's some money involved in this. It's going to have to be understood. I I still believe that, like, you know, Elon was supposed to play Duke where I went to school. Um, and I, I don't rule that out if they play, but what's going to have to happen is Duke may have to help Elon with the resources to do the testing, right? And what's going to be cheaper, the testing or the game check? How amazing is it that Elon's independent technically right now and Notre Dame isn't? Mighty Elon. Mighty Elon. Yeah, I mean, if... Well, Tony Trishiani's got a lot of reasons to want to play, and Elon has a lot of reasons to want to play. I yeah. mean, you know, and I, I think that schools have to make hard decisions. We're going to... The, the fallout of this, Josh, is just starting, okay? I mean, I, I think we're three to five years before athletic normal returns, I think you're going to see football schedules. I mean, these 2032 games that are out there, that stuff's ridiculous. I mean, that that you got a better chance of that going away now than you ever have in my opinion. Yeah, we might be playing football on Mars in 2032. Who knows? It'd <laughs> be a hell of a road trip. Yeah. There there would be a lot of uh, interesting Robert's yeah. Robert's mind just exploded. I'm I sure. would love to see that tailgate. 
Think about how high the wide receivers can Might get. Might take you 40 years to get there, Robert, but good luck. <laughs> but let me tell you, it'd be one hell of a party, Wes. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, no question. Yeah, think about ACC hospitality on the moon. I'm, I'm all about it. I had uh, enough ACC. hard time in Brooklyn, thanks. <laughs> Wes, it's good to hear from you. Keep Take up the care, guys. Yeah. All right, see there you soon. There you go, from the Packer and Durham show on the ACC Network, it's Wes Durham. Kind enough to join us from Cartersville, Georgia. Up next. Notre Dame, they might be done renting and could be ready to buy. This is the Sports Hub. You're on the drive. We've got breaking news in college football. Ross Dellinger, really good college football reporter for Sports Illustrated, says SEC presidents have adopted a plan to play a 10-game conference-only schedule this fall. Here are some of the big takeaways. The ACC, not going to have those four end-of-year rivalry games. This is all going to be SEC games, 10 games. And the biggest part that stands out in the breaking news the league approved a kickoff date of September 26th. The ACC was looking at September 12th. This is two weeks later than that. It's four weeks later than when the Big 12 Conference, as of right now, is scheduled to play college football. We don't know the additional games, the two additional games, who they're going to be against, locations. That's still unclear. The SEC title game is going to be on December 19th. Bringing this back to the ACC. This is why John Swafford's decision yesterday was such a masterstroke. Because he knew that the SEC was close to putting this together. Read Pat Forty's column for Sports Illustrated yesterday. It paints this picture perfectly of the SEC wanting to get out there and say, we're going to play 10 games. We're going to play 10 conference games. But the ACC which was considering the same thing last week. We learned that when Andrea Adelson was with us from ESPN. And while that's happening, the big question that everybody was wondering, what's going to happen with those four end-of-year rivalry games? Because there's going to be backlash to this. There already is backlash to this. Politically, it is a landmine in the state of Florida, in Georgia, in Kentucky, in South Carolina, that these games aren't going to get played. So what does John Swafford do? He makes sure, along with the ADs, they get the schedule in front of university presidents yesterday, get the scheduling model out there with the actual schedule. But it includes one non-conference opponent. That's key because... This news from the SEC that seems like it's coming, that we knew was going to happen, it makes it seem like the ACC sent, hey, don't come to us, politicians. We wanted these games to happen. See, we have these TBA games. Every team was going to have one non-conference game. We wanted to make this happen. If it doesn't happen, it's the SEC's fault. The SEC, hey, go talk to them. Don't ask us why Georgia, Georgia Tech's not getting played. Ask Greg Zanke. Hey, hey, don't come to us asking why Clemson, South Carolina isn't going to be a go. Look at the SEC. Go to them. Ask them. Because, again, we were going to play. I don't know if their intention was sincere that they wanted to play this out-of-conference game. Now that this news comes out for the SEC, I don't know if the ACC then follows suit and says, you know what? We just had a realization. You know what? We're going to play just 10 conference games now and not have that 11th. It's brilliant. It puts pressure, all the pressure on the SEC. A masterstroke by John Swafford. Adding Notre Dame. Getting the share of NBC television dollars. But thinking big picture, it's not just what it seems at face value. You potentially get your foot in the door for a future partnership with NBC involving the Atlantic Coast Conference. You're not going to hear any more strength of schedule jokes regarding the ACC. Are we going to do that? 
Are people going to knock Clemson say, oh, you don't play anybody with Notre Dame? Notre freaking Dame hosting the Tigers in South Bend? Not a chance. So all the detractors, all the SEC's hype machine and pundits and surrogates, good luck. Good luck trying to justify, hey, we're just going to play 10 games, canceling these rivalry games. In South Carolina Clemson's case, an uninterrupted series dating back to 1908. Good luck knocking the ACC for its scheduling when Notre Dame is now a part of the league. And also, Greg Zenke, who's one of the great leaders in college sports, eh, John Swafford, he stepped forward first. He's the one that's looking like the leader saying, we're going to get football on the field. We're going to do this. We're going to put out a schedule in addition to saying we're going to have a model. They put out the model before the SEC, and they had the schedule too. If they pull this off, it might be the greatest accomplishment of John Swafford's 23, soon-to-be 24-year tenure as ACC commissioner. That's how great it is. On Twitter, at SportsUpDryad, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Again, the breaking news, SEC presidents, it's 10 games, conference-only schedule, and the approved kickoff date is September 26. If all of college football is playing on September 26, Robert, should the NFL capitalize on this? Should the NFL look at its opening weekend, which I think... The first Thursday night game, you're talking about Thursday, September the 10th. Should the NFL, the way that college football has done in week zero and in week one, try to load up the calendar and take as much of an advantage as they can, television-wise, with the absence of college football on the weekend? In other words, should they have games Thursday Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday for the first two weeks of the season. You're talking about that opening weekend, the 10th through the 14th, and then the following week having games the 17th through the 21st. I don't know if they need to. I would enjoy that, having football all week long. Well, they're trying to recoup all the money they can. And what opportunity... You already saw it. Hey, if we're not going to have fans in the stands, the first six to eight rows at every NFL stadium going to be covered by a banner now that has a logo you can see on television. That's in an attempt to recoup money that's going to be lost from the lack of a gate. So if that's already a piece of it, then how about a one-time opportunity? Hey, Apple, what you're trying to push with this, what is it called, the morning show? With Steve Carell, Apple TV, I'll tell you something that'll get people to watch your product, the NFL, Amazon, looking at all these platforms, streaming devices, CBS, NBC, ABC, you want to pick up a game on Saturday, you want to pick up one on Friday, I don't know if another game on Thursday or even Friday night football is plausible, but I do like the idea The first few weeks, again, when teams do not have bye weeks, so everybody's in action, having an additional game on Saturday at 1 o'clock, Saturday at 4.30, and a primetime game. Make Saturday and Sunday feel like wild card weekend in the NFL. Have that happen. Wouldn't that be the greatest thing if you're talking about the first two weeks of the year when we don't have college football, NFL games all day on Saturday, all day on Sunday, a doubleheader on Monday night football, and the opening night game on Thursday. I mean, yeah, sure, it sounds great on paper, but I don't know about analytics with teams, like preparing for people, having a shorter week, having... Yeah, so the Friday, again, I don't know if that makes the Friday doable for the first two weeks, but Saturday, Sunday? I mean, that, we already that would do be that. fine. As long as it's not like the Tuesday-Wednesday deal, I think that would be harder to plan around than just doing extra games Sunday. Stay away from Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturday... Add some games where college football generally is. If they're not going to be there, hey, kicking off the NFL, returning to sports, here are games that we can sell. It's a one-time opportunity. You can get in on this. 
the way that we do, say, for Thanksgiving every single year where we have three football games there. The first two weeks of the NFL season, Saturday, there are three games all throughout that day. If I'm the NFL, I'm jumping all over that. I think it would be a great opportunity. David Hale from ESPN is probably just seeing this breaking news as all of us are doing right now. Covers the ACC very closely, but really all of college football. Works for ESPN. There's a number of questions that I have right now. With yesterday's ACC news, is this the end of divisions forever? Do we need divisions anymore? Notre Dame. Are they going to stay full-time after this year? Do the benefits or the pros outweigh the cons for the Irish? And then, of course, the SEC here, looking like they're going to kick things off. The league just approved it September 26th. So we're talking about two more months until SEC college football is going to kick off. Just massive news. And we'll continue to react with ESPN's David Hale next on The Drive. This is it. Ready? All right, hold on. All right, do it, do it, do it. All right, listen up. It's The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Strike three call. Perhaps guessing something else. Two out. Guessing's harder than knowing. That was the Dodgers television broadcast last night after Jose Altuve drunk out a lot of smoke there after Joe Kelly and the trash talk and the Astros what they were caught doing in 2017 while playing in the World Series against the LA Dodgers we're now being joined by Darren Vaught from the USA Baseball podcast covering the basis every week we do some sharing uh, and some comparing with Darren, but before we get to you real quick, there is some breaking news in the NBA. Zion Williamson is going to play tonight against the Utah Jazz. That game is in one hour. That's according to Chris Haynes of Yahoo and Turner. But he adds this piece that I don't quite understand. Zion will play in a short, quick burst, not necessarily a minutes restriction. That seems puzzling, but I don't care. Excited to watch Zion in one hour. The NBA is going to be back 6.30 and 9 o'clock games from the Orlando bubble. Darren, based on everything you're seeing, the Marlins, the, the stats with positive COVID tests, and the NFL, they just sent the Buffalo Bills home. How confident are you that there's going to be a football season this year? Uh, I mean, not very. And, and I think... What is this? Darren, there's, <laughs> no one wants to hear about that right now, so we just did some blaring with some John Tesh. You know what? Like The COVID stuff can wait. Go watch CNN if you want to get an update on that. Let's let's get to the stuff that really matters right now. He's an animal, Darren. He made me do that. Let, let's talk about what's that's another, happening. That's another variety of blaring that I just was not prepared for. Robert is now a Colorado Rockies fan. Yes, sir. And he's Love happy because they're in the NL West. They're in first place right now. So Robert's rooting for a first place team right now. Yay. They might finish there, depending on... Again, not to not to bring it up, like when the, when the season gets stopped. <laughs> oh God, Darren, you don't really mean that. Come on, dude. All right, let's get I mean, to hey, dude, the Phillies who played the Marlins sent some people home today and canceled all their activity for today. So no players. Gone, it has been transferred from one team to another. That's that's tricky. All right, let's get to comparing with Darren. Something that's not very tricky. Ah. Uh. Doesn't that just set your mind at ease? It really does. You want to Take start off with Darren? Middle school, playing Take, like bowling, <laughs> Take you back eating fudge sickle during the summer with my friends. Darren, because you came in here with that negative Nancy stuff, I'm going to hit you with a tough one first, okay? So okay. you, you just right. brace yourself. Sure. I'd like you to compare Graham Gano getting cut 
to buying a birthday gift for a significant other that you've only been with for a month? They're kind of opposites, right? Um, Graham Gano getting cut is unceremonious, whether it's it's warranted or not. And the total opposite of that would be like, imagine Graham Gano is, is a rookie and not good <laughs> as an NFL kicker like Graham Gano is. And uh, you want to give him a big signing bonus. That's what the, the contrary is there. I once got a girlfriend that I dated for her birthday, I got her a pineapple, and she was not a fan. Uh, that relationship did not last long. Josh! Wait, 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 wait. Was, was there supposed to be significance with the pineapple? No, nah, she just liked pineapple. Yeah. Just like pineapple. It, it could be that simple. I'm just so happy. On my screen right now, I see Chuck, Kenny, Ernie, and Jack in the studio. Oh, man. They're in the studio in Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. You think they'll kiss tonight? Maybe. Anyway, Josh, Joe Rogan. I would like you to compare him interviewing Post Malone on Mushrooms to the Dodgers and Astros last night. Well, last night didn't have the fireworks. It was a great game, but it did go 13 innings. So I guess both lasted about four hours. They, it, I haven't listened to the whole thing. I haven't listened to any of it, but... That has just got to be a smattering of people just slurring all over their words. Yeah, and I I spent the whole time wanting one half of the equation to have baseballs thrown at them. <laughs> Who would you want to get? Say, did, did, I was going to say, did Joe Kelly announce that he's uh, starting a competing beer pong league with Post Malone? That's something apparently he said. Oh, I did Joe not Rogan. see that. Yeah, Joe Rogan, not a fan. Uh, Darren, no, I would like I'm you. I'm glad to... you didn't give me that one. <laughs> you got, it. Darren. I would like you to compare slowly losing interest in the KBO to wearing a suit to a summer wedding. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it, the slowly losing interest is about to have a decision to make. Much like wearing your suit, you got a decision to make. Like, do you stop somewhere and get something that's a little more breathable on the bits? Uh, KBO fans who were slowly losing interest might, because of COVID, have to dive back into KBO. I'm sorry, I keep bringing it up, but that's that's the fairest comparison. Darren, you are the dirt worst. Uh, Josh, I would like you to compare Christian McCaffrey being sixth on the NFL players list to Darren spoiling the end of Uncut Gems unceremoniously, as he no, said earlier, on his no. Twitter. Well, all right, hold on. Can you hold compare on. those two? Yeah, I'll, I'll compare them. You could turn off Darren's microphone and get him out of here. Um, Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Why are you making me do this? I don't like spoiling movies at all. Darren will say he was just responding to a Twitter prompt. But I think the picture speaks for itself from what Darren posted. Also, not a very pleasant thing that he posted, uh, if we're, we can agree. I, I I would compare the two as having real disagreement with both. Both decisions. Christian McCaffrey, there's no justification you can give me for Michael Thomas being rated above Christian McCaffrey. He's a top five player. I put him over Lamar Jackson, too. Sorry, Robert. Lamar being number one didn't make much sense either as I would take Pat Mahomes over Russ and Lamar. He should have been number one because unlike the MVP, it's not a regular season honor. And Pat Mahomes was the only quarterback who could do what he did against San Francisco. So anyway, not getting too far down the line on that. I did not agree with both decisions. That's okay because Darren... I've got a humdinger here for you. I, I want your your best opinion of this. It's a real thinker, okay? I would like you to compare the implosion of thermonuclear cores in Chernobyl to the passing of Herman Cain. <laughs> um... I, 
I would this never is the first ever one that I legitimately do not feel good giving a response. Like, you guys know I'm an open book. I do not feel good about this. I would literally never, ever, ever make you do that, Darren. But I appreciate you taking a Stick long to sports, sports guy. <laughs> not laughing at anything. Anyway, moving along very quick. Last All one. Right, Pink. Josh, uh, I would like you to compare Zion playing through leg cramps tonight to pre-gaming after brushing your teeth. Wow. My least favorite thing on the planet. There's nothing like I a, mean, you gotta push through. <laughs> you just gotta make it happen. And it's probably better to push through than to wait. I would agree with that. You're That's gonna right. get left behind. That's right. You just need to you need to start the pre-gaming and deal with the immediate consequences. Zion, it's the right decision for him to play. It's also the right decision if you're going to have a tailgate or a pre-gaming session before you go out to uh to not worry about the the fluoride, not to worry about the teeth and uh, the the toothpaste. Yeah, there's nothing I love better than a good taste of toothpaste and a screwdriver. Just just really sets me on fire. I uh, I think you guys have ran through it all. I enjoyed this week, but despite Darren's awkward pause, God, that was so great, Darren. I love you, man. That was good stuff. Hey. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. Just I don't ever hit me with the cane train again. That's all he's asking. Please no. <laughs> again, R.I.P. Darren, thanks for doing this, buddy. Uh, of course. Looking forward to listening tomorrow. Three straight hours of Zion, right? <laughs> Robert, hit the music, man. Oh, my God. Yeah! Woo! Open up your legs, Triad! Zion Williamson's here! Going to impregnate our eyeballs! What? Zion! He's going to impregnate our what? Did he? I. Oh, God. He's here! <laughs> He's back! He's ready to go! This is the best segment we've ever done. <laughs> Why are you still here, Darren? Get out of here. Yeah, well, no one talked to me away. All right. Get him out. See you, buddy. <laughs> there goes Darren Vaught. He's on Twitter at Darren Vaught. Listen to the USA <laughs> Baseball <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Robert's mic yeah, is on and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> oh, my mic's on. <laughs> this is the most loose sloppy segment that we do uh, every single week. Talking about sloppy, I think the triad sloppy after that description you just gave us, Zion's about to impregnate us. Woo! Yes, he is. That's right. I mean, I've been accused of wanting to bear Zion and Cam Newton's children, and I'll cop to that. I don't think he would be a bear. I think they would describe you as a twink. But either way. Don't even know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should give an update just to, just to check in on Robert because there's strange stuff that happens every single day in this studio that I just wish make it on the air. I wish it makes it on the air. And some of it does. Like Robert telling me, hey, this girl I just started dating in an attempt to try and cut down the mortgage payments of this new house I just got, she's going to be moving in, which is a fantastic, a fantastically awful idea that's not why context. I moved her in. It's just a positive. Got you. Another thing happened earlier today where the first conversation me and Robert had, it wasn't, hi, how are you doing? It's, Josh, should I buy this five-foot statue a Bigfoot? Should I, should I buy this five-foot statue of Bigfoot you, and put it in my house? Why would you bring this up? I'm not going to put it in my house. It's going to go in my garden. But yeah, dude, it's a five-foot statue of Bigfoot, Josh. It's got like actual, not actual, but like grafted hairs into it. And he's like mid-stride looking back like you caught him coming out of the shower. Who would not love a Bigfoot statue? I wouldn't. You wouldn't love him, but you wouldn't put that... Pridefully in your garden. Imagine, if you will, it's late at night. 
someone's trying to break in your backyard. They're perusing, sneaking. They notice all the shadows. They're clinging to the walls. And then all of a sudden, they peer around the corner, and there he is. The monstrosity that is a metallic Bigfoot. And that prevents your house from getting broken into. That's a success in my mind. And if it costs me $300 to do that, I'll take that. I've got like a... I've got cardboard cutouts of Dale Sr., the Intimidator, and Ruffin McNeil that could do the trick. And scaring people, if you're just going to have figures of people in your garden that could scare and shoo some people away. I don't know, man. I, I feel like the only thing the Intimidator's ever intimidated was six-year-old kids at Carowinds. Like, that, that's, that's the only thing that's scared of him. But... With a Bigfoot statue, say say it doesn't work out with this current girl I'm with. I bring home a new girl. I'm showing her my place. We're getting acquainted. I'm like, oh, you want to you want to see the backyard? I take her back there, and then all of a sudden, she gazes upon my metal Bigfoot. It's over. She's infatuated, and then I have her in my clutches. She can't leave. Who else has a Bigfoot statue? Do you know anyone? I don't. What does the current um girlfriend think of the Bigfoot statue? Oh, she won't know until it gets there. I really don't care about her opinion because it's my house. And if I want to put... Well, it sounds like it's her house, too. No, 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 no. She doesn't pay rent until August. So technically, it's still my house. I can still put a Bigfoot statue up. And it's my mortgage. She she is technically renting from me. Oh, my God. This is going to go so beautifully. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. I mean, this is how I look at it. I have a job. I come here every day. And I, I go home. I'm entitled to nice things. And if that nice thing happens to be a five foot six inch metal statue of Bigfoot, then damn it, give me my statue. How much does this thing cost? Uh three hundred and seventy-five bucks. <laughs> but I found it I found it cheaper than that for a hundred and fifty. That's fifty percent off, dude. That's a deal. How much bush ice could you buy for hundred and fifty bucks? Uh 24 case is probably about 15 bucks. 15 into 60, three times, four times, four, eight, 12, 12 times 24. Somebody do that besides me. Uh, that many, 24 times 12, that many beers. Maybe more if you got a keg. It would probably be more per can. 24 times 12 would be, uh, would be 288. 288 beers, and I would trade 288 bush ices for a Bigfoot statue seven, eight ways to Sunday, dude. Math on the radio is fun. Yeah, right. This entire segment could be sent to space. <laughs> what, to deter where college, aliens? Where college football is going to be played in 2032. I'm telling you, and then... Because the moon has less gravity, I can tow my statue around. I could just bring my Bigfoot statue up there. It's not going to weigh 85 pounds like it normally does. It's probably going to weigh like 15 pounds. Who knows? What do you got and take it to the house? Uh, The only seeds I'm not willing to sow. It's next on the dry.